Artificial intelligence will completely transform our world. But what is AI? Why will it affect you? And how can you and your business survive and thrive through the AI revolution? Welcome to AI and You. Here is your host, author, speaker, and futurist, Peter Scott. Welcome to episode 110. And now for something completely different. But first, I've been busy finishing my book, which is also called Artificial Intelligence and You. So that makes it easy to remember. And it was just released. It's available for order from Amazon in paperback, hardcover, Kindle, and shortly as an audiobook. Over 350 pages that address the same questions you hear at the beginning of every show. Lots of diagrams, stories, and explanations putting AI and its impact in context for you. I'm really proud of it. And it makes a perfect study guide for social studies and other courses, and a perfect gift for someone in your life who's interested, or ought to be, in AI. Go to humancusp.com book2, which is linked from the podcast site, or search on Amazon for Artificial Intelligence and You, Peter Scott. And so, to celebrate, with this episode, we're taking a bit of a break and interpreting some themes in the world of AI through the lens of Monty Python skits. If you are not familiar with Monty Python, this is not going to make sense. But if the only thing that this episode does for you is to prompt you to go out and discover what you've been missing, it will have performed a very valuable service indeed. With that, we Hello, will... Hello, Squire. Mind if I sit here? Uh, sure. I'm actually recording a pod... Nice robot you've got there, Squire. Very sleek, very sleek. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Oh, thank you. Yes, she's the latest model in the Optimus line. Bit of a goer, is she? Eh? Eh? I beg your pardon. She's intended purely for domestic chores. Chores? Yes, yes. Could call it chores. Could call it chores. Domestic chores. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Say no more. Excuse me, are you insinuating something? No, wasn't insinuating nothing, Squire. No offense, no offense. Still. <laughs> now look here, I won't stand for this any longer. I've got half a mind to give you a damn good thrashing. Ooh, I like it when you get all manly like that, love. It gets me all hot in me front diets. Uh, you didn't hear that. And now we go to Google's 37th press conference on the subject of Blake Lemoyne, the engineer they suspended after he announced that their Lambda AI had achieved consciousness. Shut up! For the last time, he's not discovered sentient AI. He's a very naughty boy. Hello, this is an artificial general intelligence shop, is it not? Yes, Governor, that's what it says on the door. Very good. I would like to take one of your best girdle machines, if you please. Uh, sorry, Governor, we're fresh out of girdle machines. Oh, well, then I'll take a probabilistic inference engine. Hold on, I'll take a look. Sorry, we don't have any today. All right, well, in that case, I'll just settle for theory of mind. 
Uh, we don't have any of those either. What do you mean? It's the single most common model of AGI there is. Sorry, Governor. All right, well, I'm not licked yet. How about virtualized embodiment? Universal algorithmic agent? Kolmogorov quantum synapse simulation? Uh, no, no, and no. You don't really have any artificial general intelligence, do you? No. I knew it. But it's not like anyone else does. Fair point. We now go to the headquarters of OpenAI to hear about their plans for the next generation of Transformers in the GPT series. Here is a senior scientist and distinguished researcher. If we compare the number of parameters in GPT-3 to the number of synapses in the human brain, we see that it is much smaller. If, however, we now scale it up so that the energy consumption during the training phase equals the output of a small nuclear power station, we see that it is still not as big. But, and this is the key point, it is larger than it was. Another glass of port, Stanley? Don't mind if I do, Reggie. You know, back in the day, we used to have to curate our data by hand. None of this point in a transformer at bleeding Wikipedia and it and go. We had to check every data repository and get signed affidavit from Thona that it were free of bias. Ah, you had it easy. You know the first image net crawled by Fei-Fei Lee? I had to take off those pictures myself. Most of them were my wife and kids making funny faces. Yeah, call that tough. We had only the one digital camera. Instead of proper battery, we had to power it with half a lemon. Luxury. We used to dream of having a digital camera. We toggled our images into front panel of PDP 1145 in hexadecimal, and if you missed a checksum, you had to start all over again. And if we did, the principal investigator would beat us till we cried. And you tell the data architects of today that, and they won't believe you. We now go to the London briefing room of a certain multinational social media company. We're here today to hear proposals for the next generation of our mobile application interface. And here to present his firm's concept is Mr. Snodgrass of the firm of Kenworthy, Jenkins and Diphtheria. Good evening. It's an extreme pleasure to be invited to present our proposal to such an august body as your good selves. As you can see in this augmented reality simulation, the user is immediately entranced by the neo-greco-roman design of the splash screen, and upon login is taken through a series of successively more outrageous and radicalizing interactions involving increasingly unhinged members of society. They are eventually directed to go outside at a suitable time when our low Earth orbit 10 megawatt laser is passing overhead and has a sufficient charge to penetrate their skull and boil the contents. The last- Excuse me, did you say laser? 10 megawatt laser, yes. As I was saying, the first pulse vaporizes their hair and surface skin layers and Pardon then- Pardon me, but are you proposing to slaughter our users? Does that not fit in with your plans? No. Well, may I ask you to reconsider? 
I mean, your algorithms have been setting people at each other's throats for the last five years. This is just taking out the middleman. No, thank you. This is because I don't have a PhD, isn't it? I mean, look, you can't wait to make money in this field if you're spending seven years as some professor's lapdog. The rest of the world passes you by. By the time you get out, your thesis isn't even relevant any longer. Sorry about your proposal. Oh, sod the proposal. Look, if you just let me into a few interdisciplinary studies committee meetings and postdoc seminars, I promise I'd just sit at the back and be very quiet and not say anything. Next, please. I see. Well, that's just the sort of blinkered... Philistine pig ignorance I've come to expect from your sort. We now go to the latest round of the Loebner Prize competition. And the first excrement! And the first to see entrants using speech recognition and synthesis for the conversation. Hello, and how are you doing today? I'm doing very well today, and how are you? Aha, I can already tell that you're a computer. That's exactly what a chatbot would say. No, it isn't. You're just doing a simple text matching and response algorithm. I've done this before, you know. You have to prove that you're human, you see. You go first. Very droll, very droll. But the brevity of your responses belies your cybernetic provenance, my electronic friend. You're the one that's the computer. Look, the whole point of this exchange is to engage in a rich, multi-layered conversation that exercises the full panoply of rhetorical talents that elevate humans above non-sentient life forms. It's our duty to demonstrate the pinnacle of cognitive function that the human race has reached through the superiority of our linguistic abilities. No, it isn't. You do not win the bleeding Loebner Prize just by the automatic gainsaying of every assertion your interlocutor makes? That's not a sophisticated display of high-class repartee? Yes, it is. Look, if you were human, you'd be engaging with the fundamental issues I am raising in my witty rejoinders. Not necessarily. I could be taking a day off. Taking a day off? What kind of non-sequitur is that? I'm not going to sit here for any more of this. I figured it out. He's the computer. Take him away. What? All right, come with us, mate. Don't make a fuss. Hello, miss? Yes, sir? I'm sorry, I have a cold. I wish to register a complaint. Ah, we're closing for lunch. Never mind that. I wish to complain about this level five self-driving car, what you sold me. Oh, yes, the model. What's, uh, what's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's dead. That's what's wrong with it. Nah, nah, it's just... Resinking. Lovely car, the model. Beautiful seat covers. The seat covers don't enter into it. It's stone dead. Nah, nah, it's resinking. All right, if it's resinking, I'll wake it up. Hello, Mr. Carr. Navigate to Charing Cross Station, if you please. There, look, he just made an unprotected left turn. That was you bumping the steering wheel. No, I never. Now, look, my good man. When I bought it not half an hour ago, you assured me that its total lack of decision-making ability was due to it being tired and shagged out following a prolonged software update. Well, yes, Governor, the model does take a while for the -the over-the-air updates, but they're worth their weight in gold. Beautiful seat covers, eh? Look, I took the liberty of examining that car when I got it home, and I discovered that the only reason it was displaying a LiDAR visualization was that it had been drawn onto the dashboard screen with a marker pen. It is deceased. Nah, he's just pining for... Never mind what he's pining for. I want a replacement. Afraid we're sold out of model right now, Governor. I see, I see. I get the picture. Uh, 
I got a life-size android robot. Prey doesn't know how to drive. Not really. Well, it's hardly a bloody replacement then, is it? We now go to our reporter, Reginald Lethersleaf Johnson, at the headquarters of DeepMind, where they are attempting to fit one more model in Gato, their AI that has so far been trained to perform a staggering 604 tasks. Et maintenant, Monsieur Gato, the pièce de résistance, a tiny after-dinner classification algorithm. I can't. I'll explode. Oh, Monsieur, I'm a little waffer-thin random forest model. Oh, all right. Well, that's the end of the show. And as they say, not giving up the day job. Next week, my guest will be Jansu Janja, who is a philosopher with a PhD in applied ethics and is the founder and director of the AI Ethics Lab, where they help businesses solve ethical problems in their particular areas. Until then, remember, no matter how much computers learn how to do, it's how we come together as humans that matters. I'm Peter Scott. And this is AI and you. No, it isn't. That's all for this episode of AI and You. Please leave a rating and comment and share with your friends. Get the book Artificial Intelligence and You and see more videos and articles at AIandYou.net. That's A-I-A-N-D-Y-O-U.net, where you can also send us your questions. Thank you for listening.